So it feels like Hollywood is imploding on itself, and to make matters worse, a scroll tried to replace me a couple days ago. <laughs> How do I know that I'm not talking to a scroll right now? Because I hate Skittles, and if you ever catch me drinking a Coke Zero Sugar, it's because, well, I've been replaced. But I'm drinking How a regular vanilla Coke right now, full of sugar. Say, how do you hate Skittles? They're nasty M&M imposters, that's how. <laughs> okay, sure. Poser. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll, and definitely not a scroll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg, and definitely not a scroll. Alright, good. <laughs> this is a little awkward, but whatever. As long as neither of us are scrolls. Yeah, Secret Invasion's first episode came out this week. I'm not going to do a breakdown because, well, that's going to take too much time. I, I might do, like, a rundown once the whole show is out. We'll see. Okay. Anyways, let's start with gaming news, because there was a Nintendo Direct this week. Yes, it was. And, yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it we're was. Off we're off to a great start. I know, right? <laughs> What did you want to start with on it? Oh, I don't even know. Like, there was no point in them even covering the Pokemon DLC because they barely showed us anything. Like, yeah, okay, there's new Pokemon. We knew that. You know what's funny is that I watched that trailer, and the thing that was most distracting wasn't anything to do with the trailer, but it just seemed like, or anything in the game, but the the image quality looked really bad. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Pokemon. A lot of the trailer looked like the characters had, like, fuzzy Vaseline on them. I can see, like, the edges of where the game is like, alright, we're a Switch game, we only have so much power. That was... That's bullshit! Someone... You see what Tears yeah. of the Kingdom looks like? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And it's like, I'm seeing that, I'm like, I don't even really complain about graphics and games, but this is actually extremely distracting. <laughs> Ugh, I don't even know why they bother, because they didn't even give us a release date. They just gave us the same windows they already had. There's nothing in those trailers that we didn't already know. Yeah. Just, we didn't have visuals, and the visuals are nothing to brag about, so who cares? Because they kind of have a fuzz buzz to them. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic Superstars got another little bit of coverage. Not much that we didn't already know there, except that apparently the Chaos Emeralds do individual things, which is neat. Okay. That is not typically a thing. Usually it's you get the Chaos Emeralds in bonus stages, and then they do nothing except turn you into Supersonic at the end. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so now they do stuff like... Reveal secret places, unleash Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. What? <laughs> yeah, the blue Chaos Emerald makes a clone swarm, I guess. Oh, so the blue gem turns into Naruto. Yeah, pretty much. Alright. Shadow Clone Jutsu. Shadow Sonic Jutsu. <laughs> now, I'm not usually one for farming games, but Palea caught my interest a little bit, if only because I'm fascinated by the idea that there's some hidden stuff stuff that you can investigate or not hmm. yeah you can play the game with other people and uncover this mystery or just stay at home and just you know work on that whatever you want to do you big <laughs> neat as i'm watching this it's like live your ideal life in a video game <laughs> i was just like i'm sorry guys you kind of lost me from the get-go the the idea looks neat but if i'm honest the ports where it lost me were free to play and play with other people i'm just like this seems like a recipe for griefing <laughs> thanks for reminding me that my own actual life is a train wreck and i'll never accomplish my ideal uh i don't know how to continue from there <laughs> me neither and yet i will 
<laughs> okay, I mean, it does look cool. No, it does. It, it you know, Like I said, this kind of game doesn't usually catch me, and I'm probably not even going to bother playing this one, but I just, it really caught me, the idea of, oh, there's some potentially bigger thing going on, but you don't have to follow it. Hmm. Yeah, now that you think about it, because I'm replaying the trailer in my head right now, and it's like, okay, I, I do kind of see that, because they were spending so much time talking about, like, play co-op games with your friends, or with other people. Lays about and something like that, but then I'm or thinking, don't. I was like, okay, or don't. And it's like, yeah, you know what? There are some small hints that are dropped. That there's something else going on here, isn't there? This is not just a neat simulator. <laughs> uh, so this th th this next thing I have on my list is a big surprise to me. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure Detective Pikachu two was never happening. I actually kind of want to play this because <laughs> I they they last announced that like when the movie came out, I think. Oh, jeez, really? Yeah, that's the last I remember hearing anything about Detective Pikachu 2, and then it was just radio silence. Mm. And the end result is it still doesn't look great graphically. No. But what did you expect? Yeah, I will say I am all here for a Pikachu that sounds like a 50-year-old smoker. I like that. I'm sad the movie didn't do that. I like that we got no. Ryan Reynolds, but man... Mm-hmm. Could have been so much better. Yeah, no... I am drawn to the game a good bit because of how Pikachu's voice does not fit Pikachu's image. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Pikachu. Give me yeah. some coffee, toots. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> but it looks but it looks cute. It looks very cute. Yeah, I Slowpoke has a fun little hat. <laughs> I love it. I did very much enjoy the Eureka moment that Pikachu had and all the magic cars just start flying out of the <laughs> out of the fountain. Including one flying out where the fountain actually starts spraying water everywhere. I'm like, how did you even fit in there? <laughs> it's a magic arp. It's what they do. Mm. They survive in unlikely places despite being the weakest thing imaginable. It's amazing to me that magic arps like live for like more than ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else. Mm. Also interesting, Mimikyu is in this game. I can't wait to see how that goes. Yeah, because for the uninitiated. Mimikyu's whole gimmick is that it dresses up in old Pikachu merchandise because it wants to be loved. <laughs> Which is so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. And the anime mm. had one, captured by Team Rocket, that had a violent hatred for Pikachus as a result. <laughs> okay. So I'm really curious to see what happens in this game. Is this Mimikyu going to be a Pikachu fan? Are they also going to be aggressively angry? <laughs> I'm going to put money on aggressively angry because I feel like that would be more fun. Or maybe it'll just be depressed. Who knows? <laughs> I'm putting money on aggressively angry and hostile towards Pikachus. Because, again, I feel like that has some at least halfway decent comedy potential. You're probably right. Mm. We also got a huge comeback Super Mario RPG! Yes, the game. The, the game has finally been released from Super Nintendo Jail. <laughs> They finally got Square Enix or whatever to be like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and it Squaresoft cool. made that or helped make it. Yeah, Squaresoft like assisted. Or, no, I I feel like Squaresoft like developed it whole. It's just you know it was still a thing of like, well, you have to have Nintendo like Mario everything about it. But I want to say Square developed the original game completely. I might be wrong. No, I think you're right. No, it looks really cool. It That's looks, neat. Like, it looks cool. It was admittedly the thing that, like, dominated my feed the day of the Nintendo Direct show, but it looks really neat. <laughs> Gino for Smash 6. 
Yeah, I am definitely very curious as to how, you know, being someone who works in a retro game shop and is like around expensive classic games, I'm very curious to see how that influences the price of the original Super Nintendo game. Mm. Like, that's going to make it go up or go down. Especially because it's a remaster and not just a port. Yeah, no. And considering the age, it's like, this is like one of those ones where it's like, it is actually a remaster. Like, this is a new game from the ground up, but still, like, has the gameplay of the original title, so. And they're giving us a Princess Peach game. Yeah, which had, like, a 30-second trailer. And no title. And no title. It's like, the sequel to... What was the name of the last Princess Peach game on the DS? Super Princess Peach? <laughs> the untitled sequel to Super Princess Peach. <laughs> Where all of her abilities are tied to inducing different emotional states, and also the thing they're going after is called the Vibe Scepter. The... Mm, yeah! Ah, mm, no. <laughs> no wonder they weren't in a hurry to do another one of those. <laughs> oh, that's... that's Ooh, that has some bad... That's not a good name. <laughs> Where is my Donkey Kong game, damn it? It has been a minute since anything Donkey Kong. Why do you hate my boy? Because the only th- Donkey Kong game on the Switch is the port of the Wii U game, right? Yeah, Tropical Freeze. Yeah, so it's like... So if you say, we got one on the Switch, it's like, no, that doesn't really count. <laughs> when do we get Donkey Kong 64 too? Honestly, I would welcome that. Donkey Kong 65. I was originally going to say Donkey Kong Country, but no, Donkey Kong 64 would probably be a better one. Just because that would make it significantly more accessible. <laughs> yeah. For the uninitiated, Donkey Kong 64 is one of the ones that requires the little expansion pack attachment for the N64. Meaning that... It's pretty big! Yeah, meaning <laughs> if you're starting from ground zero with just an N64 and you want to play that, that's not like a $30 game. That's like a 80 to $120 game if you don't have that piece. So bring that back because no one seems to remember it half the time. And make it actually accessible. Hashtag take Donkey Kong from N64 jail. <laughs> Do it. Make a new DK rap. Hmm. Ugh. Got a bigger look at Pikmin 4. I, man, it's weird because I've never been, I've never at all been into the Pikmin games in the slightest. And this looks cool. But I also don't have any particular emotions towards it. I think just because I never played the older games. Well, as somebody who's a pretty decent Pikmin fan, let me get let me get hype for you. Caves are back, baby. <laughs> okay. We're going underground. We're going inside the house. People are alive, apparently. I did enjoy the little bit where it's like it shows the Pikmin and the astronaut stealing the Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> That's pretty good. Steal it's like, treasures. I- <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Mm, well done. Yeah, it's like steal treasures <laughs> it's like oh okay sure. not this the world is not post-apocalyptic after all mm. also yeah. potential weird either alternate timeline shenanigans or something terrible happened to olimar i don't know who that is okay so you saw the thing with the guy with the red-faced guy right yeah yeah yeah. well in the bad ending of the original pikmin one if you try to There's take a off, bad ending yes <laughs> if you try to take off without a certain number of crucial ship parts the ship explodes and crashes, but the Pikmin take Olimar's body to the onion, and then it spits out a seed and makes, like, a weird Olimar-Pikmin hybrid. Is that canon? No. Oh, okay. Considering Olimar went on to be playable in Pikmin 2 and then was a relatively major plot point in Pikmin 3, I'd say no. Okay. Also, right. you could go on expeditions at night. At night. The whole thing of, like, the creatures going crazy at night was actually a little bit creepy. It was. 
Yeah, I'll give them points there. Thank God for Glow Pikmin, who you can turn into a Hadouken or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because I watched the Pokemon DLC trailer right before that, but when those showed up, it was like, those look like Pokemon. <laughs> a little bit. A little tiny bit. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Still don't know how I feel about the dog, but... The dog was the only thing that actually felt out of place for me. I don't like the dog. It feels centralizing in an overly so way. Like, you're thinking, like, the dog is going to be the thing where it's like, oh, you need to get something done, just use the dog. Use the dog. And it'll make your life easy. Stop taking jobs from Blue Pikmin. Hmm. Anyways. (laughs) Got another new 3D platformer coming up from the Sonic Mania people, Penny's Big Breakaway. Okay, that one I did not watch. Really? Well, it looks pretty good. Mm, Okay. You got a weird yo-yo thing that you can upgrade into stuff. Can you can you yo-yo it to, into space on a dare? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> and you're trying to stop some emperor who you made real mad. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a 3D collectathon, I guess. Which, yes! Never enough of those. Give them to me. And this is related to the Sonic series? No. Oh, okay. No, it's just, it was made by the people who made Sonic Mania. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a that was basically a fan game that Sega was like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Mario Kart 8 DLC Wave Five coming this summer. There's only two waves left. Enjoy it while you can. Is it? There's not just one track for this, is there? No, there's presumably more. They just wanted to advertise the new one. Okay, because I was gonna say it's like I hope they just don't do that kind of thing since they're like, well, it's still the premium content because we have now three characters. So three characters in one track is the same as four tracks, right? It's like, no. (laughs) And of course, yes, we are getting three new characters, those being Kamek, Wiggler, and the king, my boy from Double Dash, Peony Piranha! (laughs) Is that like just Teenage Piranha Plant? No, it's Peony Piranha. He's completely different. Oh, okay. (laughs) Play some Mario games. No. Damn. They also announced new amiibos for Tears of the Kingdom. We're getting a Zelda and a Ganondorf, and I'm rapidly losing hope that Sora is ever going to see an amiibo. Yeah. Every Sora... day I stray further from God. Was Sora the last one that's left, or is He's there still the more? He's the only one not announced to be getting one in the Smash characters, and I'm just... Uh, one of these days I'm just going to stick Waluigi at the end and go, Gang's all here. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I'm really hoping that they're just saving it for after Pyra and Mithra come out, but if that... I wish they'd just say whether he's getting one or not. Like, if he's not getting one, just rip the band-aid off, slap me in the face, and tell me! Yeah, for real. Just get it over with. And then they closed out with Super Mario Acid Trip. (laughs) Yeah, this is... (laughs) I'm kidding, it's Super Mario Bros. Wonder. No, but this is like, if you're a stoner and you've wanted to get into Mario, we've got the game for you. Like, holy shit. This looks crazy <laughs> in a good way. It's finally not just Super New Super Mario Bros., but themed around a specific gimmick. I mean, it mm. is, kind of, but the gimmick is apparently LSD. just breaking everything. The gimmick is LSD. You have no <laughs> idea how it works. At least I can't, I can't gauge anything from seeing it. Much like LSD. Yep, also Peach is playable, <laughs> Daisy's playable, Yoshi's playable... Oh my. I love it! <laughs> I love it so much. Mm. No, this one definitely looks neat. And it's also a thing that, like, because I, I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten the last main entry into the main series of Mario. 
Yeah, because they kind of did Mario Maker, and then everybody kind of expected, well, they're never going to do it again, because now anybody can make one. Yeah. But apparently they did. They were like, we could do this, we could still do this, we still got a Mario game in us, who said we don't? Yeah. As I say, I'm glad that they were able to give another go while it doesn't seem like they're reinventing the wheel, but adding new rims. Yeah. <laughs> new acid-based rims. Ugh, that sounds <laughs> disgusting. Don't lick them. No, don't lick them. You got any highlights you want to talk about? I mean, you pretty much covered everything that popped into my head. Definitely the things that I'm most interested in, even though I don't own a Switch, although I, I want to Switch now more than ever. <laughs> Get one. I don't really have room for another console. <laughs> Alright, that doesn't take up a lot of room, but fine, whatever. Like, management of time and money. I'm surprised you didn't have anything on Hot Wheels. I completely forgot that Hot Wheels was part of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, it was one of those things where it's like, I knew there was a Hot Wheels thing, but I'm seeing all the other stuff that was announced, it's like, Okay, I feel like it's going to be like the Xbox showcase where the car thing that I'm usually into is going to be significantly less interesting than everything else. So I just kind of forgot about that. Fair. I didn't put it on the list because I figured Greg's got it. <laughs> no, yeah, it, I, I probably wasn't even going to say anything about it other than it's Hot Wheels. It looks cool. <laughs> no, there's a lot of cool stuff here. Definitely Mario RPG is the thing that got my attention the most because again it was dominating a lot of my feeds when it was announced i've also become i'm not gonna say i've become like a fan of rpgs but i've become a lot more open to them so i think that's a big part of because i never played a lot of rpgs growing up so that's a i think that's a big part of why i'm definitely keenly interested in this one mm. and that it also looks adorable i i will say like all of these games look very cute <laughs> and i do like cute things so it'll be interesting to see how the games come out, how they're reviewed, and how, and hopefully Nintendo doesn't have any Nintendo-isms with these games. <laughs> oh, they will. Count on it. We'll see yeah. which ones get, we'll see which ones get fucked over the hardest. Yeah, because that's the big reason why I don't really get, go hard into Nintendo's ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. Because I know they make great products, but their decision-making process for, like, long-run stuff is kind of frustrating sometimes. I mean, that's pretty much AAA gaming in general, but... True, true, and I'm not, like, trying to absolve anyone else. I don't blame you for game. drawing the line somewhere. Yeah, mostly from the hardware side. Fair. It's kind of like, but why, guys? <laughs> so, most of the news that I have this week is varying numbers of Hollywood is fucking awful. So, before I get into <laughs> all of that, let me let me do a spot of potential good news. Oh, boy. El Muerto's release date has been removed from Sony's calendar. And why is that good news, Cody? <laughs> good news because it's a terrible fucking idea! From the ground what? up! This is a stupid fucking concept! And don't get me wrong, in general, there's no such thing as bad ideas, just bad execution, but when it's coming from Sony, I can safely say, this is a bad idea! Now, my question is, was it cancelled because someone realized it was a bad idea? It's not cancelled, it just got removed from the calendar. They could put it at a different date. Maybe it's that November 8th, 2024 movie. Maybe it's that July 2025 movie. Maybe they want El Muerto to share his El Muerto joy with the entire summer box office. I don't know! <laughs> We're gonna Muerto it up, boys. It's Muerton time! <laughs> it's Muerton time! Now, what would that even look like? <laughs> oh god, you don't want to know. <laughs> There are rumors that Bad Bunny has exited the project, but those are unsubstantiated at this time. 
okay. If he has left, though, cancel it! Yeah. The whole reason you made this was because he was attached! (laughs) If he's not attached, then there's no point! It's probably a thing of, we can salvage this, we have the technology, and the money. Do you? AI write it. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to that. Mm. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Hmm. Anyways, that's the one bright spot for me, is the the possibility <laughs> that I won't have to deal with El Muerto later on down the line. It's bad enough I gotta deal with Craven. Mm, and, that's, that, that's fair. <laughs> and probably Madam Webb? Oh, really? I think that one's still shooting, or is already shot, I don't know. Mm. Ugh. Anyways, time to go to that latest and greatest segment of ours. Do-do-do-do-do-do, pay your fucking writers! And you know what? I, I've come to a conclusion, and I think even once the writer's strike stops, I might keep this segment as just a general <laughs> purpose. Hollywood is a terrible fucking place. So it'll be a catch-all for just treat your people better. Right. Anyways, that's that's the play going forward. Let's talk about let's talk about the strike now. <laughs> oh man. Let me let me pull up all the stuff that I had. You just hear like a dex book just like <laughs> on the table. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking good. That'd be it's really just like, fucking funny. Alright, on July of 2023, and you mean like, wait, you mean like a certain day in July? I was like, no, I know what I said. Uh, <laughs> so, this isn't really about the right to strike itself, but the Director's Guild has voted to ratify and accept the contract that they were given. Oh, from Hollywood? Yeah, so, mm. sounds like no triple strike. Unfortunate. Yeah, a little bit little tiny bit. Mm. But it does seem like the screen actors might still be up. We'll we'll see. Their deadline is the end of the month, so by this okay. time next week, we should probably have an idea of what they're doing. Hmm, okay. In better news, the General Executive Board of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters has unanimously approved $2 million <laughs> to support motion picture Teamster members in need during the ongoing strike, so that's nice. Okay, that's good. That title, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. They've all got they've all got excessively long fucking titles like that. I'm sorry, I hate to say this, but that sounded like the name of a department in Gorbachev Gorbachev era Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is one of those things where obviously that's them looking out for their own people, but it does show. Yeah. Eventually speaking, somebody's got to pull their heads out of their butts and make a better deal. Or they're just going to continue digging and be like, it's like, man, guys, did you realize you were so flexible? It's like, yeah, Dave, all just in unison. It's like, we're all so flexible. (laughs) Every single major film and TV production within Los Angeles city limits has been shut down by the writer's strike. That doesn't stop people from filming outside of the city, but Mm. good to see things are gradually grinding to a halt. Okay. Because, again, just, just pay your goddamn writers. Just pay your writers, for real. Just pay your writers and don't use AI. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's not even good. Do you know what you do when you use AI? You get the secret invasion intro. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to transition into this. The secret invasion <laughs> intro was generated with AI. Ooh. That's... <laughs> and the director, in a completely tone-deaf explanation, said... It came right out of this shape-shifting scroll world identity, you know? Who did this? Who is this? It's supposed to be an intentionally uncanny thing, but it's like, okay, cool, two years ago, that would have been pretty neat. But right now, when there's a whole thing about how AI is putting artists out of jobs, go fuck yourself! Yeah, that's... 
That's not great. <laughs> I go, mean... Go absolutely fuck yourself. And then, the, the studio that did it, Method Studios, is trying to say, Oh no, this didn't cost anyone any jobs, it's just one tool among the array of tool sets are- I shouldn't- I shouldn't be using this voice for a quote. <laughs> AI is just one tool among the array of tool sets our artists use. No artist jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools, instead they complemented and assisted our creative teams. But if you look at the credits for the opening sequence, mm. they're much smaller than the previous Marvel shows have been. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like them saying it's one tool is, if anything, it hurts your point, because people will look at all of that and be like, oh, it was only one tool, eh? It's like, nobody really listens to the whole statement. And if, but it's like, it's also thinking like saying it's one tool along with that smaller list of people who worked on it. That's, if anything, drives on the point is like, you know, maybe hiring, having AI do the work for us isn't a bad idea. It's just like, you idiots. You've just screwed over a whole bunch of people. This isn't even as bad as it gets this week. This is just, this is, I can't believe, I can't believe, oh yeah, the opening credits for a major Marvel production were AI generated isn't the saddest fucking thing all week. But, mm. oh, the show Here must go are. on. Mm. The show must, in fact, go on, I suppose. No, this is, and, I get, I get what they're going for, but in this climate, I cannot take that this is not also an ulterior motive here. I cannot get it out of my head that this is also Disney trying to figure out what they can get away with and what audiences will accept. Honestly, for me, it seems much more likely just because of how people kind of work sometimes, where someone thought it was a good idea and was just actually that tone deaf, because... When the show was coming out, when it was publicized in the strike, it was a thing of either it was made well before the strike started, but nobody said, hey, we should probably think of something else because of everything that's going on, or it was one of those things where it wasn't made, someone still said, we probably shouldn't do this because everything that's going on, and they still said, no, have the AI make it anyway, because it'll be topical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Who should I, who screw up should I move on to next, Sony or Warner Brothers? There's more for Warner Brothers, but Sony's is, you know what, Warner so Brothers is worse, so I'll just get Sony's out of the way. <laughs> I was just say, is it one of those things where Warner Brothers did more things, but Sony's is like singularly worse than everything? <laughs> Sony's isn't singularly worse, so I'm going to start with Sony's. Okay. A few animators anonymously have come out about working conditions on Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse. Okay. And it has been defined as death of a thousand paper cuts. Ooh. Oh boy, in, in what ways? Well, approximately a hundred artists left the movie before its completion. Mm. Across the Spider-Verse met its debut in theaters in April of 2022 before it was postponed in October and then June, owing to what Entertainment Weekly reported as pandemic-related delays. However, the four crew members say animators who were hired in the spring of 2021 sat idle for anywhere from three to six months that year, while... Mm. Phil Lord tinkered with the movie in the layout stage. As a result, they were pushed to work more than 11 hours a day, seven days a week for more than a year to make up for time lost, and were forced back to the drawing board as many as five times to revise work during the final rendering stage. Which is... Insane. Absolutely crazy. That is unacceptable levels of crunch. And then... What the actual hell... <laughs> Executive Vice President Michelle Grady said, It really does happen on every film. That doesn't make it better! That does I assume, not make they, it better! I assume better. They, might mean, they might mean Lord coming back over and over again with different changes and not necessarily the 11-hour work week. 
11 hour work day. No, it doesn't. Uh, truly, honestly, it can be a little bit frustrating, but we always try to explain that this is the process. And then, and then, Amy Pastel, former Sony Pictures Entertainment chairperson, had the crowning achievement of awful responses. Oh, boy. One of the things about animation that makes it such a wonderful thing to work on is that you get to keep going until the story is right. If the story isn't right, you have to keep going until it is. I guess, welcome to making a movie. Amy! Fuck out of here. Shut up! Actually, fuck out of here. I'd like to point out, she is on record as when Ke- when Kevin Feige tried to suggest them not taking Spider-Man back, but making the movies for Sony, she either screamed at him to get out or threw a sandwich at him. By her own admission. <laughs> that is, it's completely disrespectful. Of all oh things, going, oh, that's just how it is. That doesn't make it better! No, that makes it's it compl- worse! Because it's completely disrespectful to your artists, both into the field that they're in, and also to them as just general human beings as well. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, you're not crazy about it? Well, hey, this just goes with the process. Like, then the process is dumb and disrespectful and does not value people's time and energy. <laughs> And it's one of those things where... when it's too late. (laughs) Obviously, you know, this isn't a physically dangerous job or anything. But it's still mentally and emotionally taxing, and nobody should have to go through 11-hour fucking days because studio executives need to meet a fucking deadline, and they're just sitting on their asses or revising shit last minute. At a certain point, you have to say, no, this is the movie we've got. And I know, other people do it. Marvel movies are famous for it. Stop fucking doing it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's still not... Like, having a s- seven days a week, 11 hours for a year, that absolutely has to have, like, negative, like, health effects. Yeah. No question. A period that long, those are some serious negative health effects. That is completely unacceptable and is a disservice to the people that you have doing this craft. Utterly infuriating. I don't... <sighs> Jesus Christ. So anyways... It sounds like they barely even started work on Beyond the Spider-Verse. Oh, boy. And sources, at least one source has said there is no way that they're making that March 2024 release date, which I say, good, push it back. Yeah, push it back, because there's, if if nothing's been, if it's, or, okay, not nothing, but if very little has been done, and the movie's, what, nine months away from supposed to be coming out, I don't see that getting done in nine months if there's barely been any work on it. Push it back and never do a two-parter again. Fuck you. Yes. Let's get to all of Warner Brothers' transgressions. Oh, boy. Uh, First of all, they're negotiating to sell around half of their film and TV music publishing assets for approximately $500 million. That seems really low. Uh, It's all older stuff for the most part. It's not exact what assets they're planning to sell, but it's believed to include music from such films as Purple Rain, Evita, Sweeney Todd, Rent, several Batman films, as well as songs such as As Time Goes By from Casablanca. I would be deeply, deeply invested on who they sell that to, because my question is going to be, at that point, it's like, okay, what are you going to do with this, and are you going to preserve it? Right. Because that's a lot of 
very important music for like well, f- when it comes to film history. I gotta imagine whoever buys it is going to use it. Otherwise, why buy it? But can you imagine like the next Spider-Man movie stars that you just hear? And it's an '89 Batman theme. You know, one thing that did pop in my head just now with that is that if they ever make a Spider-Man noir film, having it be set to the soundtrack of Casablanca would be kind of cool. Ooh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. But really, just, I fucking hate Zaslav so much. You Mm. absolute fucking reality TV peddling asshole. You fucking absolute vulture of a human being. You goddamn multi-million dollar making history scrapping couldn't find a good movie to save your fucking life, asshole. Hmm. I should, I, I should, I shouldn't talk so bad about somebody I don't know personally, but with all the shit that he's done, fuck him. Yeah, it is the thing of action speak louder than words. This is the guy who said Batgirl would have damaged the brand. Stares at the Flash. Hmm. <laughs> I'd argue more problematically the guy who said in regards to the writer's strike. People will come back because of a love for the industry. <laughs> a love of working, specifically. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking dipshit. I'm surprised they haven't ousted him yet. It's not working. What he's doing isn't working. He's probably got too much wrapped up on his finger for, um, for it to be too much of a risk for them to remove him. Yeah, the, God, this is such an angry podcast for me, and I'm so sad about it. <laughs> I don't like getting this explosively mad about shit. No, that's fair. Anymore. That's fair. <laughs> oh, man. He's also gutting Terror Classic movies. That makes me sad. I Admittedly, I didn't, I didn't watch and don't watch a lot of TCM, but I know how important it is when it comes to, if for nothing else, like preservation of classic movies and shows and having a outlet for people to still watch them. So anything in regards to that still makes me sad. Yeah, the executive VP and general manager... Pola Shagnon, Shannon, I'm sorry, I'm bad at pronunciation, uh, left this week after working there for more than 25 years. And the shakeup was so concerning that Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson called an emergency meeting with Zazzle to discuss t- TCM's future. <laughs> so, Which is a big deal. Those are like three very big names in, in that space. Yeah. And it sounds like they at least have had their concerns alleviated. Apparently... Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi, Warner Brothers Pictures Chiefs, will be overseeing the channel going forward. Hmm. But, God, I just don't... There's been major staff layoffs at it. Really just depressing stuff. Yeah. We are watching a studio get stripped for parts before our very eyes. Because they've been bought by too many corporate mergers and now they're covered in debt. Yeah, and... The unfortunately, more so the people who, at least from the outside looking in, but I'd say it's still pretty accurate to say the people who are in charge of all of that don't see the cultural value or like artistic value and all. Instead, no, what do they give a shit? Yeah, well, I know, but it's still frustrating. Yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. Because it's like I don't know. It's just because of how my brain is wired as someone who has a love for culturally relevant things and like historically significant things and like arts and music and things created out of the human experience through like trials and tribulation no i'm not talking ace attorney <laughs> um, <laughs> um 
it's just speaking as someone who has a love for that and just like people's experiences and stories and everything surrounding that it is deeply frustrating and very depressing when the people who are in charge of that who's literally the only thing that the main thing that these these things are important for is just the preservation of something so important just all they care about are any faint dollar signs that they see and it's like, I know it goes with the territory, but that doesn't mean I still can't be upset about it. I'm just throwing it out there, Warner Brothers. You want to pay me $5 million, I'll give it my best <laughs> crack. And I, I I, at least I at least am decently sure I can do less damage than this chuckle fuck. I will also take that just to help with TCM alone. I don't want to be in charge of it because I know I am not at all qualified Hell, for that. you know what? Pay us both $2.5 million. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out one way or another. I'm genuinely concerned at this point that Warner Brothers as an entity might not last long enough for James Gunn to get his DCU going. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, unfortunately. And I mean, on the one hand, I don't know, if, if DC got sold off to another studio, not Disney, don't you fucking do it. Universal yeah, do or it. Paramount, okay? Not Sony, mm. not Disney. But if they were to do that, all I can think is, you know what, this might be exactly the clean break from previous iterations we've been hoping for, because presumably the rights to those older movies wouldn't go with them, so they wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to reference shit like Michael Keaton Batman or Christopher Reeve Superman anymore, <laughs> and they'd have to do something else. Also, they wouldn't be able to do shit with the Snyderverse, which is always a positive. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see what comes of this. God, I hope Turner Classic Movies makes it through. Yeah, same. I don't always have time to go see the Fathom events that they release where they host older movies, but it's always a good time when I do get a chance. Yeah. If I still had cable, I'd watch it religiously, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I technically I don't. I could still watch it, but it's basically a, a almost like... It's, it's a lot of trouble to set up, to yeah. put it like the easiest way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I got one more Warner Brothers update, and this one's a doozy. Oh boy. This is probably the saddest thing I've heard all week. Mm. Warner Brothers Movie Division has signed a deal with Synalytic to use the latter's AI-driven project management system. They will leverage the system's comprehensive data and predictive analytics to guide decision-making at the greenlight stage. The platform can assess the value of a star in any territory and how much a film is expected to make in theaters and on other ancillary streams. Bro, no it fucking can't. That is not how that works. <laughs> I guarantee you it can't. No. All it will do is look at past data and tell you what that says. But it can't account for everything. Case in point, we all thought The Flash would be doing a lot better than it was. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> what a stupid fucking idea. Let's have the fucking robots tell us what movies to make. Jesus Christ. I feel like that's just new level laziness. Right? Yeah, like, that's not even, like, normally with something like that, I'm kind of be like, I can see where they're coming from there, but it's just like, no, we're actually too lazy to actually sit down and think about what movies do what well in which regions based on, like, content and culture and anything like that. No, we're just gonna have the robot do it for us. Well, that's the main intention of it. It's a time and cost-saving measure, because they're like, oh yeah, this would take days or weeks of number crunching to figure out by person matter we can have a robot do it it's like yeah but the problem is robots currently the ai is not smart it's it it's an aggregation thing it's a detecting patterns thing 
It's only as smart as what you do with the data, and the same fucking morons are the ones working with the data. So... Yeah, and AI also doesn't have... To a certain degree, AI doesn't have the decision-making process to kind of think about more of the human aspect when it comes to that kind of thing. Prior to Black Uh, Panther, an AI would have told you the same thing every racist executive asshole told you, which (laughs) is that black-led superhero movies don't sell based on the trajectory of Blade sequels, Steel, etc. However... The AI is not capable of looking at the fact that these movies were all so bad, and that's why they underperformed. <laughs> yeah, because at that point, the problem is, no, the mov- the movies just need to be good. They need to be well-written, they need to be well-acted, they need to be well-funded, and they need to have good resources. And marketing. Cannot stress and enough marketing. how important the marketing is. Yeah, and if you have all of that, people will come out in droves because you've made a good product that has an interesting premise that people are curious enough to spend money and at least two hours of their time to experience. <sighs> what a stupid kid. Everything's fucking exploding. <laughs> exploding Warner Brothers all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious, guys. You... If, if you want to pay both of us to do it, you can at least save yourself. How much did Zazzle make in 2022? 39 mil? You can save yourself about $35 million right there. <laughs> just a yearly salary. Just the one salary of 2.5 and we're good. Which, I mean, you're billions of dollars in debt, so... <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that going to do? I don't know, but it's a fucking start. I remember hearing a bit from... A bit of an off-topic thing. I remember hearing a bit from a comedian on a podcast where they were talking about how when they started doing comedy, they would they were still broke, so they would get letters saying it's like, you are like late on your payment. If you don't do this, your interest will increase, and therefore your debt will increase. And they're like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> it's like, I already have no money. You think that making, me, making it so I have even less money is going to make me want to pay you more? Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> nope, still broke, sorry. Still fucking broke. <laughs> and now I got one last piece of news, and then we'll finally get into trailer time. Jesus, this is going to be a long one, apparently. Oh, boy. A lot of studios are sitting out San Diego Comic-Con this year. So that means that people are actually going to be have to talk about comic books at Comic-Con? Right, I know, what a shock. <laughs> it's amazing how so many of the official articles from an actual news source are like, it's a Comic-Con crisis, and it's like, no, guys, it's not a fucking crisis, it's what happens when a strike is going on, and also Hollywood's busy shooting itself in the foot. It's a Comic-Con crisis, it's gone back to being a comic convention. <laughs> Which, I don't mind, I mean, I like having, I like having big chunks of info to sort through and process, but at the same time, I also don't mind not having to do that for a year. Yeah. Especially after last year, when we got all of Phase 4, 5, and a little bit of six, and then all of a sudden everything got pushed back anyway, so it's like, oh, well, that was all useless. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, psych! (laughs) Anyways, Disney's not gonna be there, Marvel's not gonna be there, Lucasfilm won't be there, HBO won't be there, Sony won't be there, Universal won't be there, Netflix won't be there. Is there anyone who is still going? Paramount Pictures is gonna have a panel for TMNT Mutant Mayhem, no word Mm. on anything else, though. NBC is only going to move forward if there's no actor strike, which is the other reason why. It's bad enough there's a writer strike going on, so progress is stalled on everything. But if the actors all strike, they can't show up at these panels. Because mm. that's doing work promoting movies. Yeah, oh, that's true. So if the actor strike happens, no fucking wonder everybody's not showing up. <sighs> Amazon's going to have some kind of presence. That 
That's all we know by now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Warner Brothers could still roll up. And get booed off the stage. You, got, <laughs> you guys get your shit sorted out. It's like, and it's like, and welcoming from Warner Brothers, it's Zaslov. Go fuck oh, yourself. Oh, no, no. <laughs> out. I don't, I don't think they're dumb enough. I don't think they're dumb enough to try. He'd be the smoking gun at that point. Uh? <laughs> oh, fuck it. Let's get into trailer time. I'm so tired. All right. Let's get into trailer time. Thankfully, there's only like three this week. Mm. It's trailer time again. We've got movie previews to watch. It's trailer time again. That I saw, at least. Yeah. <laughs> we got a trailer for Challengers starring Zendaya, a.k.a. the only tennis movie I've ever been even the slightest bit interested in. I'm not. Really? <laughs> it looks... I feel like I already hate, like, half the people in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hate all of them, but the intrigue, the drama, <laughs> the, the absolute soap opera of it all. You know what? I'll be honest. When it showed, like, her her character with, like, Adidas in front of her, I did have to stop the trailer. I was like, is this based on a real person? Okay, this person does not exist. We'll keep going. Keep watching. It's like... Kinda hate this. Kinda don't like where this is going. This movie seems moderately problematic. <laughs> yeah, I like I like it though. I'm not just saying that because it's Zendaya. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. On for me, Zendaya helps. <laughs> no, I mean, I will admit it is an interesting premise and all that. It's just, it's one of those things where because of what it's showing, it's going to be about in that, like you know, rising tennis star. Two du- two dudes fighting over rising tennis star. Drama ensues. Tennis star saying, "I have to look over my white boys," which actually did get a laugh out of me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if that if that didn't, I was gonna suspect you were a stroll. Yeah, I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. You're not right. No. Uh, just, no. <laughs> okay, but if you were, you'd tell me. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> all right, great. I'd tell you. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's um. I'm not super into it, if I'm honest. All right, that's fair. It is, it is one of those ones where there's there's every chance that they'll fumble the ball and this will be really icky and dumb mm. and stupid. But I don't know. Right. I'm just amazed I have any interest in any movie that revolves heavily around tennis. <laughs> that's fair. Never in my life, not even once. We also got the trailer for Dumb Money. This, I'd say, for obvious reasons does have my interest a bit more but it's not because it's game related just more so because of the absolute batshit story that was the whole GameStop stock you know the really funny thing Mm. we have exact opposites on this one I'm not interested at all oh really (laughs) no because it just happened yeah that was kind of the thing that made me go are we sure about that with this is that it's like this is this is not like a foregone event. This happened within like the last couple years. <laughs> what interesting insights could you have possibly gotten on the emotional impact of this whole thing in the last what a year? Yeah, I'm not saying it can't happen. I am just saying th- this just happened. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's not a documentary, at least. Actually, if anything, that's kind of the thing that makes me go but interested, but I don't think I could take this movie seriously, because they are very clearly, like, hamming it the fuck up. <laughs> also, Paul Dano is still channeling his inner Riddler. <laughs> Even when I he's trying won't. to do an inspiring thing, it still sounds like he's threatening to collapse the seawall and expose Bruce Wayne. <laughs> 
Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought. <laughs> yeah, you know what I did? I'll be honest, I did kind of forget that that was Paul Dan. I did. That was Riddler. I heard it. He was... I heard it in everything he said. <laughs> Which isn't this movie's fault, but ugh. Mm. Like, it's just, it's too recent a thing for me to care. It's like, if I want to know more about the thing, I'll just look, I'll Google it. Mm-hmm. This just happened. I yeah. could probably still find the Reddit threads if it's not already locked down. Fair. Holy yeah, as soon as I, I mean, if I'm honest, when I saw the whole thing of Wall Street Bets, I was like, oh, this is the GameStop movie, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so I guess, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. I might still see this movie if there's nothing else that same weekend. We'll find out. Right. And then we got a trailer for Drive Away Dolls, which I think is the, the knockaway hit. Oh, week. 100%. 100%. This movie looks like a great time. And it's got Pedro Pascal and Bernie Feldstein. It's got uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> right, it does. Yeah, which is like, I was kind of blown away that they were like, and also Matt Damon at the Sorry, end. Sorry, Bernie Feldstein. Like, <laughs> and, and Matt Damon at the very end. It looks like a good time. It looks very funny. I do kind of like the ghetto-y home video like style it's kind of got going for it. And, like, the old... Like, it feels like kind of an old-school movie in a cinematography speaking. Oh, yeah, I'll agree to that. Especially the opening bit that we see with the guy cornering Pedro Pascal for the suitcase in the alley. Mm Mm-hmm. That felt very noir-ish. It was my favorite line, even though it happens very early in the trailer, but I did enjoy, and I'm probably going to butcher this woman's name, Geraldine Viswanthan. Probably better than I would have done. Yeah, just having an argument with, like, one of the girls there. She's like, I'm not here to peddle my wares. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one, too. And I was like, all right, she's got some backbone. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. <laughs> this looks like a fun, wacky, kind of road trip movie. Mm-hmm. Where presu- I, what do you think's in the case? Is it drugs or is it human body parts? Was it ever established what was in the suitcase in um, Pulp Fiction? No. Okay. Probably whatever was in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I'm thinking it's just going to be, like, something, like, shit tons of money. Originally, it was going to be diamonds in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Let's see. Driving, for some reason, lesbians driving to Tallahassee. I don't know it's, why. It's just gators. <laughs> They're here to return to their natural habitat. It's like just fresh gator. <laughs> it's like fresh cooked gator or something, which I've actually never had still. Yeah. Me neither, actually. <laughs> yeah, for, for those not to know, my mouse started not working and in the process of trying to fix it i stopped recording i hate this computer sometimes unfortunate yeah i know so i'm looking forward to this one yeah this one looks really fun let's go to box office oh boy did we see the highest grossing movie this weekend the answer is yes three weeks ago (laughs) all right it's spider-man across the spider-verse oh my (laughs) Damn. So, that's cool, but it also sounds like this week's box office was pretty damning for other movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Across the Spider-Verse took in $19.3 million domestically for a $317 million domestic total, and it's sitting at approximately $560 million worldwide. Mm. Second place, Elemental. $18.4 million domestically for a $65.5 million domestic total, and it's sitting at about $121.1 million worldwide. Against that $200 million budget, though, so... Womp womp. Oh. Still, it's at least doing better than The Flash. <laughs> which came in third at a roughly 73% drop. 
this weekend. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. $15.2 million domestically for an $87.6 million domestic total. It's not even at 100 mil domestically, Jesus. $210.9 million worldwide. I'd say that's that's grounds to call it a bomb. Yeah. Fourth place, just barely. No hard feelings. $15.1 million domestic weekend and total. It's sitting at $24.6 million worldwide against a $45 million budget, so it does still have a ways to go. Okay. And then in fifth place, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. $11.6 million domestic weekend, $122.9 million domestic total, and $341.2 million worldwide. Since it's in sixth place, I'll just say the movie that we both saw this weekend, Asteroid City, sixth place. $9 million domestic weekend, $10.2 million domestic total, $16.6 million worldwide. $25 million budget, though. Which, considering the cast, crazy! Yeah, that's crazy cheap, considering who's in the movie. So it might... I I, I'm, I, I think it might make some money back. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm hope so. Same. <laughs> Boy, The Flash took an absolute fucking beating. It took a big chump. I almost feel bad. <laughs> I don't. Like, <laughs> I not, really don't. Now if that I'm, I'm honest. positive it's not making its money back, I almost want to go see it. Mm. But I won't. I mean, okay, I feel bad for the people who still had to, like, sift through, like, writing it and creating it. I feel bad for the domino effect this is going to have. I have a theory. Oh, boy. Because everybody's trying to armchair quarterback this thing and figure out what went wrong. And there's a lot of arguments to be made because there's a lot of different factors at play here. The answer is yes. <laughs> I wonder if a big part of it that everybody's kind of overlooking might just be nobody had any reason to care about a Flash movie to begin with. Because, mm. hear me out, general audiences only ever really got exposure to the Flash. <laughs> in Batman Flash. v Superman? No, in... Oh my god, no! <laughs> in 2017's Justice League. No, <laughs> such a bad thought. <laughs> you got you got the exposure to the flash joke. Oh no! <laughs> who let twelve year who let like teenage girls cheer on the flash in the final trailer? <laughs> oh, you're right. That is terrible. But oh, no, because the only major role Flash had in the DCEU that general audiences would have seen would mm. be in 2017's Justice League, where they are a terrible character in a terrible movie. Now, right. It could be the Snyder Cuts an improvement. I don't know. I still haven't watched it because I've yet to have a four-hour stretch where I have nothing better to do with my time. <laughs> True. But even if it did, it's max exclusive, and based on metrics, most people who started that didn't finish it. So, mm. you gotta imagine there's not a lot of demand to see this particular iteration of the character, and the fact that they're absent a lot of the marketing so they can focus on old man Batman instead, and brand new Supergirl, who's probably not lasting past this movie, mm. didn't do it any favors. But anyway, that's just my random thoughts. Enough dunking on The Flash. Plenty of people have been doing that for us. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. do a very brief talk about No Hard Feelings, the movie that I saw this weekend that you didn't. Yes, tell me more about Problematic, the movie. It is pretty <laughs> icky, I'll admit. <laughs> and yet... I had a much better time than I expected. Okay. So the premise is that Jennifer Lawrence is playing a 32-year-old Uber driver who is behind on property taxes on her late mom's house, and then her car gets impounded, so she can't actually do her job. 
And then she sees a Craigslist ad for some helicopter parents who want someone to date their 19-year-old son who's about to go off to college and is horrifically socially awkward. And then she takes a job, and it gets very uncomfortable. The first... I'd say the first act of this movie. Pure cringe. Absolute. Mm. Just (laughs) unpleasant. Okay. You get a couple laughs here and there, but also just... Oh, man. (laughs) And yet, by the second act, there's an actually genuinely kind of interesting rapport that would be almost adorable, except for the fact that you've got it in the back of your head, this whole thing is based on a deceit so she can get a car. That is what this originates out of, and it's kind of hard to get away from that. It's so basically, it's like, the second the second act would be pretty great if the first act didn't exist. <laughs> well, and then the third act circles back around into actually kind of being serious and trying to impart some life lessons or what have you. Mm. And it's just like, oh man, that's not particularly great. <laughs> because again... This whole thing was based on a farce, a ruse, a deception. Yeah. No, why, did I I say, write, like why did I write the <laughs> lyrics for In Too Deep from Sum 41 here? <laughs> oh, oh, right. That's why. <laughs> the way you said it, I think, explains it all. <laughs> She's like, wait, why did I write? Oh, 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 right. Ah, shit. <laughs> uh, he didn't say no to the... <laughs> What? I can't read my own writing. Oh, he didn't say no to his parents having a. Mu- uh, there, there's a there, not to spoil not to spoil a joke in this movie, but there's a bit where Jennifer Lawrence's character asks the 19 year old, "What well, your parents have you microchipped?" And I, it, it stood out to me. He didn't actually say no. <laughs> uh, anyways, it's it's not terrible. It's not a terrible movie. I had a pretty decent time with it. And considering the premise, that's saying something. Mm. However, a little game I like to play with rom-coms nowadays is a hypothetical, could you gender swap this movie? And the answer is no. Absolutely (laughs) not. I feel like 15 years from now, somebody at Sony is going to be wrangling for some remake of a movie that already existed, and they'll be just browsing through the archives, and then they'll go, hey, this Jennifer Lawrence movie seemed like it got decent reviews and actually made a not terrible amount of money considering the budget. What if we, what if we like gender flipped and then that guy's gonna get fired and end up on a list? <laughs> it's like, what do you win for? Suggesting that um, no hard feelings gets gender. So I was like, bruh. And then it's just everybody in the yard just kicking him. <laughs> yeah, it's just like everyone just stares him down. Even like the worst like set, even like the actual like hardcore gangsters who have like killed people is just like, nah, dude. Nah, you can't. You can't vibe with us. <laughs> you're, you're gone. <laughs> also, if you're curious, because they did talk about it in 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 the press for this movie. Yes, there's a Jennifer Lawrence nude scene. No, not why I went to go see the movie. I was more paying attention to the choreography. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch the movie, you'll see what I mean. All right. <laughs> that part's a spoiler. Hmm. And no, I mean actual choreography. <laughs> it's not a sex joke. <laughs> I like how it took you a second there to realize, like, oop, nope, wait a minute. Still gotta continue to cover my ass. <laughs> <laughs> unlike, unlike the movie. <laughs> oh, God. No, yeah, not, not terrible. I'd say it's another one of those worth a watch on a matinee type things. I really wouldn't say it's worth seeing full price ticket price for. Do you think it's something that you would subject the rest of us to for a movie night? 
That's... <laughs> that's difficult because I feel like all we would get out of it are jokes about how horrendously inappropriate this whole scenario is. <laughs> and it does get very muddled near the end. Hmm. And it end- yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything about it. I'd say maybe, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid maybe. I think I would want to see it just to see for my reactions, but I would definitely be much more interested in the rest of our friends' reactions as well. No, that's that's fair. Mm. Anyways, let's get into Asteroid City, the movie we both saw. Yes, yes, indeed. I like this a lot. I like this a lot too. I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to. I very much feel like, especially considering the cast for this movie, this is one of those movies where it's like everyone involved is like, this is why I love acting movies. It's like, this is the movie that I do once every few years to remind myself why I became an actor or an actress. That's the vibe I get from this movie, because I do not understand this movie. It's completely batshit. It kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. And I feel like half of the people involved would be like, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not even sure I could do a description of what this movie is without spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I can attempt to give it a crack. I mean, ju uh, just based on the trailers, it's a group of people gathered in a small desert town and something extraterrestrial happens. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, it's a group of people gathered in a small town who are different versions of vibing with each other, and it's just documenting their time in the town while strange happenings are going on, and everyone's trying their best to figure out what these strange happenings are, while also keeping what little, if any, sanity they have left. <laughs> and everybody's, a, everybody's an absolute standout in it. Yes, everyone really is. Again, this is one of those movies where it's, like, everyone who's involved, even, like, kind of the actors and, like, actresses who have, like, really small roles that you have no idea who they are, everyone in this is someone who is just, like, full 100% giving their all to it. Again, this is one of those movies that feels like this is a movie made for the love of the art. Yeah. And it shows just because of, again, how completely insane this film is. <laughs> You can't even give, like, a really good general breakdown because doing that, get, like, horrifically spoils one of the main underpinnings of well, the movie. Well, I, I give it a shot. Mm. I mean, there's, there's, there's certain character arcs you can talk about. There's certain character just basic breakdowns you can do that don't spoil the whole thing. Like, Jason Schwartzman is Augie Steenbeck. He's a photographer. He's a father of four whose wife recently died and who's ha been having a difficult time telling his kids that, and also relating to his kids on anything, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson's playing an actress and also is an actress. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know if we talked about the holidays, like, the Guardians holiday special on this show, but it's always one of those things where it's like, that really solidified how it's always weird in my brain whenever movies get meta about anything. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, anything in regards to acting. <laughs> because it's like, I don't, it's like my brain goes, I don't know how I feel about actors making fun of themselves and their job in their job. I guess it's self-aware? <laughs> oh no, I like that a lot. Mm. I think that's a good time. I'm pretty sure we talked about the holiday. <laughs> I can't imagine I wouldn't have. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Now I have to go back and check, and so should you guys. <laughs> uh, but you don't have to. <laughs> so there's also Tom Hanks, who is Jason Schwartzman's father-in-law. And he's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I... This is really hard to talk about without getting into spoilers. Yeah, it is. Because from the very st- the very start of the movie starts off with a thing that wasn't in the advertising. That very heavily changes how you contextualize the film. And I'm actually very grateful for that. No, same! Because it makes the movie significantly more interesting. And this movie has one of the best, in terms of like writing, like how you're taught like in public school about how like your first paragraph is supposed to be the paragraph that gets the reader interested in what you're about to talk about. This movie has one of the best first paragraphs I've ever seen. A lesser movie would have saved that for a twist partway through. Yeah. But this one does it. This one gives you the setup behind the setup mm-hmm. right, right out of the gate. And it really works at capturing your interest. Cause as, at least it works as somebody who was watching some of the marketing for this movie and had a vague idea of what it was about. Because yeah. then it was a case of, oh, oh, this is something completely different. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't expecting this at all. Yeah, no, it it just changes completely, like, your outlook on the movie, and I don't know if, it, if this is spoilery. If it is, you can definitely cut it, but... Yeah, I'll agree to that. I don't know if that counts as a spoiler, I'll figure it out on the day. Right. <laughs> but no, it, it can't be understated, this is an amazing cast. Yeah, it's an amazing cast, and it's... And again, this cast is part of the reason why I think both of us are like scratching our head. I mean, if anything, it's the reason why I further believe that this is a movie made for like the peop- these people who just love acting because of how goddamn cheap it is. <laughs> and also, it's very, it's not just minimalist in turn, because I think that was a conclusion we both had coming from the trailers that this movie felt kind of minimalist and bare bones, which is uh, set in a desert, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also minimalist in its acting. Nobody nobody really cuts loose. Nobody really goes ham. It's no. all very subdued in a realistic sense. It doesn't feel yeah. like everybody's being a robot. It just feels like everybody's just got their own stuff going on, and it's sort of suppressing them a little bit. I feel like that's the thing that really solidifies how good these people are at their jobs, because the majority of this cast... The way they talk, the way they act, the way their body language is. Well, okay, maybe not so much body language, especially for a couple of the people. But there's everyone is being like relatively subtle, anything outside of their character's normal movements. But in that, that subtlety and how they move, talk, and look, and all that does a phenomenal job of still communicating all of their emotions. Yeah. There are scenes and conversations where everyone is like acting calm, but you're still very much feeling the emotions coming from them. Like when they're very happy, when they're very sad, when they're very scared, when they're depressed about their situation, all of that comes through very clearly and very beautifully, even though everyone, like the cast is generally pretty stoic for the most of the movie. You know what? That's a great observation. Because it really does say something that you're never left one, you're never really left wondering what they're feeling, at yeah. least the general sense. Even though 
it's it, most of it's being carried by looks and by body language and by posture and by all that. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Yeah, and we keep on banging on about the cast and the budget. It's like again, just to put out there, this movie has a twenty-five million dollar budget, and the cast includes, as we already mentioned, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson, Jeffrey um, Wright, Jason, Jeffrey Wright, Jason Schwartzman, Tilda Swinton, Willem Jeff. Dafoe. William Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Margot Robbie, <laughs> Tony Revolori. Tony Revolori. This is this movie has one of the most insane. <laughs> and some of them are just minor parts, but yeah, but it's still like it's honestly that's the thing that kind of like set me over the moon more so is that some of these people have like such minor parts, but then you also go, they only were here for this. But then you see the scene play out, and it's like, and they, and it's like, but they're so great. <laughs> okay, you know what? There I, is, there is one character who's a total enigma to me. Mm. Steve Carell's motel manager. I don't know what's going on in his head. Yeah, ever. I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> I can't read that guy for the life of me. <laughs> it, I feel like that's what he was going for. <laughs> then he has succeeded with flying colors, and for that. I, I will admit, that one took me a minute when he first showed up. It's like, there's no way that's Steve Carell. And I think the second time he showed up, it was like, oh shit, that is Steve Carell. What the fuck? Then they got everyone for this movie. It took me a second to spot Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh no, as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh wait, really? I, I just went, oh really? Yeah. Oh, it's okay, you're here too. <laughs> and then it took me a second, then I leaned over and went, that's Willem Dafoe. And you were like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not as severe, but that was kind of me with when Margot Robbie showed up. And I was just like, oh, it's you. And you are, yeah, you are still a wonderful actress and hot as hell. <laughs> oh, oh, always. Can't wait for the Barbie movie. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not just because of Margot Robbie, but. Yes. Minor caveat, I can't wait to play Forza because they added the Barbie car to Forza, apparently. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think, because one of the things is, obviously, I like movies, I like watching movies, I like thinking about movies, and I like talking about movies. I am not great at analysis. Mm. I am not great at themes. I am not great at symbolism. I am not great at visual metaphor, which I think is <laughs> the same thing as symbolism. I don't know. <laughs> the point is... I am better at describing what happens in a movie slash how it makes me feel than perhaps what was intended. Hmm. But I feel like this movie hits an interesting midway point of it is, to me at least, a little bit impenetrable. Because I don't know what it's about. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't impact my enjoyment. The fact yeah. that I can't get a read on it, even at the end, doesn't bug me. And I feel like that might be intentional, but again, I'm taking a shot in the dark. I don't fucking know. Yeah, no, I can get that because I feel like a lot of movies that go really hard into being like harder to read and having and being like really meta and all that, it's a very short walk between going into that and suspension of disbelief. Because it's like for a lot of movies that I've seen that have tried to do that, it's usually like two seconds after that starts, I'm just like instantly taken out of the movie. This movie does a really good job of keeping me, like, glued to my seat just because there's something else that's going on that makes it so that you're still interested in what's going on with the people and the characters and all that. So that 
when those moments of like being more self-aware happen that would normally take somebody out it's usually established for a good reason right or or it's just because of something completely ridiculous and you can't help but just go <laughs> okay whatever i guess this is just the vibe we're going for police sirens uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh man you think we should get into spoilers Probably at this point. All right, so if you don't want to get spoiled on Asteroid City, first of all, I think it's worth seeing. I I definitely think it's worth seeing. I wouldn't expect to go into it feeling great afterward. No. It's ponderous. I, it, it, it does make you think for a minute. Chief Amongst which being, okay, your first question being, what did I just watch? <laughs> God, I, I don't think I ever use the word ponderous correctly. Because what it actually means is dull, laborious, or excessively solemn, which this movie isn't. I always no. think ponderous means it makes you ponder. <laughs> that is not what it means. The, the, the point is, I like this movie. It, it, it gets you to think, and you might not necessarily walk out with any grand conclusion. But no. I don't think that's what it's trying to do. Is I don't think it's trying to give you any grand conclusion. I will describe this movie as being... A situation where I've never had have had a, such a good time being so hopelessly confused and lost from start to finish in a movie. <laughs> I'll agree to that. I'll agree to that. So if you don't want to get spoiled, make sure to click away in three, two, one. So the big I don't even know if it's a twist, but it feels like a twist that gets given away right at the start is that this is mm-hmm. actually a televised recording of a play. Okay, so actually that was the thing I wanted to ask you if you discerned it. Was the play just the actual color portion happening within Asteroid City, or was it supposed to be everything outside of the narrator talking, including like the backstage bits and all of that? I feel like the play, everything in color is the play. Okay. And what happens on stage. Case in point, the narrator accidentally finding his way onto the set at one point and realizing he's not supposed to be there. (laughs) and especially there's one point where i feel like things also really veer off script Mm -hmm. and it's the part when augie burns his hand on the hot plate (laughs) the way that scarlett johansson reacts to it and her voice actually changes a little bit makes me think that that's her as her that that's the That's actress act- she is playing, playing, breaking character in the play, because Augie <laughs> did something off script that actually shouldn't have happened, and that probably is going to have a consequence. <laughs> that being, yeah. he burned his fucking hand. She's like, you did it? That actually happened? Yeah, and then it's like, when she says that, she kind of gets a little bit of an accent going. It's like, where did this come from? <laughs> I would say an accent, just like her voice raises maybe another octave from what it's been the entire time. Because mm-hmm. in the... In the black and white scene, she also still speaks the same way, which leads me to believe that's just how the actress talks, and it's just a matter of, that's her actually letting her guard down, expressing genuine surprise at something that is off script. (laughs) So I do think everything that's in color is what's being recorded. Okay. And that's why it's in color, because it's basically the audience's imagination filling in the gaps, making everything look more real, Mm. being sold by the performance. Right. So, in the play, there's a Stargazer Committee thing happening, and there's supposed to be a solar ellipsis? Mm-hmm. And it's it's held in an asteroid crater where, where an asteroid touched down, 
and while they're looking at this ellipsis, an alien spaceship shows up, and the alien takes the asteroid and then buggers off. And <laughs> the whole town is placed under a seven-day quarantine at that point. And you could... I, I, I wonder if part of why this feels like the lack of broader conclusion doesn't matter and part of why this all feels so relatable is specifically because of the whole COVID thing. Hmm, yeah. I think we're all kind of used to that feeling of being drained and a little stir-crazy and... Like, you've circled past the point of going crazy from having nothing to do and nobody else to talk to, so you just kind of... Not shut down, but your battery's running low. You're on power saver mode, essentially. You know what? I can kind of see this movie... I don't know if it was what they were going for, but I can see everything with the alien and what follows afterward being a metaphor for COVID. Because the alien is COVID. And everyone's just like looking up at it, just being like, what is this? We don't know what this is. What are we supposed to do? We don't know how we're supposed to react to it. Hence the general like taking the safety off of his pistol. And then the alien just kind of coming down, grabbing the asteroid and fucking off. Oh my God. It's like, all right, well, that was a thing. And then at the end of the quarantine period, they're about to call it off, and then the alien comes back, and they have to do it again, and then everybody yeah. gets sick of it, so they call it off anyway. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! Which is, by the way, what happened in China this past year? <laughs> oh, God, Greg, are we fucking stupid? Is that what this was about the whole time? I feel like it'd be pretty disappointing if this whole movie was a, was a metaphor for COVID-19. <laughs> Maybe that's not, it's probably not the whole thing. No, but I can see it being a metaphor for that, because it's like, not only just that, but during the quarantine period, this is also where Augie and, what was Scarlett Johansson's character's name again? Midge? Midge, yeah. It's also the bit where Augie and Midge get closer, because they are in separate houses across from each other, and they're literally just talking to each other through their bathroom and bedroom windows, and they are, like, distanced from each other, and... (laughs) Well, okay, I realize this also kind of falls apart a little bit because it's revealed that one of Augie's kids actually walks in at the two of them. <laughs> no, it was it was Midge's kid saw them through the window. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I realize it's like, this might be a metaphor for COVID. It's like, uh, wait, no, probably not. <laughs> it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a perfect metaphor if it fit perfectly. If it... Yeah, it's- if it did, it wouldn't be a metaphor anymore. It would just be, this is what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the lack of grander conclusion is intentional, considering that near the end of the movie, Augie's actor has a crisis where he he walks backstage at one point when he has a break on stage and asks the playwright what his motivation is, because he doesn't mm. get it. And the playwright basically tells it doesn't matter, just keep telling the story. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there at least is a pretty clear, there's not one grand unifying thing, even if there are parallels to various things. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. also would fit in with the idea that Woodrow desperately wants to figure out the meaning of life and then basically gets told, it has meaning, you just gotta make it. Yeah, which which does fit, if I'm honest. <laughs> So yeah, you know, yeah, the the I it's starting to click. Took me a bit. So to be fair, I just saw this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Fair. The stargazers were definitely the ones that I was the most interested in just because they are like 
is literally a case of like kids and teenagers being stuck in this situation. And these are all teenagers that are actually literally too smart for their own good. These are teenagers that are just like casually creating basically technology that would actually start World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bunch of young Oppenheimers here. Yeah, for real. Like, actually. <laughs> One of them literally creates a laser gun. Jim Henson's Oppenheimer babies. Yeah. <laughs> but because of everything that's going on, they're like, no, there, there's something else. We have to... <laughs> we have to kind of investigate further. I did very much enjoy... Oh, God, which one was it? Which one was the one who created the laser gun? The one who's like, I will not be silenced. What is his name? Oh, great. Ricky. <laughs> Ricky. Yeah, especially because it does, after that, it breaks into, there's implication to the Red Scare through Ricky's character and his interactions with the general. Because um, he's talking, because the general's talking about, it's like, do you know what you've done and what you said? And the implication that he had, and Ricky's just like, I, I will not be silenced with the general who... God almighty, there's so many fucking people in this movie. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright. I, Jeffrey Wright, thank you. Jeffrey Wright's like actually trying to intimidate him and he's just like, I will not be silenced. I'm like, okay, this is like a very obvious reference to the Red Scare and like the hippie movement and on all of that. <laughs> and I enjoyed that quite a lot, actually. I like the one who just keeps asking people if they dare him to do stuff. I did actually like that his dad finally called him out on it's it. It's an experiment. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like... If you push that button, I'm gonna snap your neck. <laughs> and then cut to him, chasing him through the diner. <laughs> no, I I did enjoy, like, finally his dad just having enough... Because even I was like, why does he keep doing this? And he's like, what are you doing this for? Like, Why has he gotta be a dare with you? Yeah. And then I forget exactly what the kid said, but I think it was something along the lines of he felt that he had to do it so that people would remember who he is. Something about... It doesn't, if, if not for that, it doesn't, he doesn't know if anybody's paying attention. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, dude, you are, there's no way nobody can not pay attention to you. And part of me was saying that in like an actual, like genuine manner. Cause it's like, look at the shit that you've made. Look at how smart you are. There is no way anyone would not be able to pay attention to you. You don't need to do this completely absurd shit that pisses off everyone around you. <laughs> And then it feels like there's a genuine moment of connection with his dad, and his dad's just like, what is it that you want to do this time? Climb that cactus? No. Yeah. <laughs> his dad was like, alright. And both his dad and Steve Carell was like, you know what? I, I get that. Alright, what do you want to do? Climb that cactus? like, no. No, don't climb the, cl don't don't climb do the cactus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not entirely convinced Steve Carell's character isn't a robot. Yeah, it's just how, like, at every response, he's like, oh, yes, I understand. Uh, of course, I understand. <laughs> I'm not sure you do. Yeah, I'm not sure you do, man. I love the whole thing of how there's a vending machine that spits out land. <laughs> and soup. It's like, and soup. There's it's a soup like, one, there's a milk one, there's a real estate one. Yeah, and I was just like, I, because of how tired I kind of was, there were a couple more, I didn't fall asleep at any point in the movie, but I did kind of ever so slightly like start to nod off and then one of the moments where i like started to slightly nod off when i came back in that like split second i saw the real estate machine i'm just like i'm sorry what <laughs> i oddly enjoyed tilda swinton doing an american accent yeah she was good in this yeah as the adult version of all the weird awkward teens functionally it, which was kind of adorable yeah it was nice for them to have a mentor 
in a sense. I did very much enjoy the bait where it's like she finds out that they've stolen a whole bunch of her lab equipment. And she's like, she's not even really upset at them for stealing it. She's upset that they didn't include her in it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you know what? Is that, that's kind of cute, but then that's also kind of like a scientist brain talking. And it's just like, well, if you're going to discover things, like, loop, keep me in the loop of it. <laughs> and also, I think the bit that really established for me the whole thing of how these actors and actresses, like, even though they aren't going insane or having, like, crazy body language, are still doing a great job making it clear their emotions is when Tilda Swinton takes Augie. No, not Augie. Woodrow. Woodrow's, like, into Brainiac. the tent. Brainiac <laughs> into the tent and it, and she's just like it's just like basically says no you are brilliant everything that you're doing here is brilliant don't stop don't let your curiosity stop your curiosity is your greatest asset and it's what's going to get you the great places in life and it's genuinely very sweet yeah and it's like just the most like heartwarming thing but the way it's shot it's also like this is a weirdly intimate scene between Tilda Swinton and a teenager <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it didn't help that I came out of watching No Hard Feelings the previous day. So I was just like, no, no, stop, stop. And then it, and then just a couple minutes later, he's making out with one of the other uh, junior stargazers who is his own age. I'm just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> no inappropriate age romance here. Well, what's funny about that scene is that they are the way, because it's like, it's the two of them, like, looking at each other, making full eye contact, and they are getting closer but they never go into each other's like personal bubble Tilda yeah. Swinton and Brainiac so that was kind of the bit that made me go it's like this is where is this scene going <laughs> I don't I don't know again if that was something that they thought of on purpose to like kind of like get a reaction out of the audience or whatever but it's like this is a weirdly intimate scene and it's like but it's also super sweet so I don't know where, where this is going <laughs> Also, I like Augie and, uh, I forget Tom Hanks' character's name, so I'm just gonna call him Tom Hanks. I like their report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like their report as well. I like that Tom Hanks... I feel like Tom Hanks at the end of it is basically like, I don't really like you, but I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to care for you and my grandchildren, basically because it's what my... I felt like what his character was trying to get to is, it's what my daughter would have wanted... And by doing this, my, the memory of my daughter still lives on. Yeah. Because at one point, he, he like straight up says, it's like, you know, if you need a place to stay or anything like that, whether I like it or not, and I don't like it, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> also, those three little, his three daughters are just fucking gremlins. <laughs> yeah, they are. Just absolute <laughs> gremlins. What menaces just, to society. They are actually demons. Well, one is a vampire. And one's a mummy. And the other's like a witch or something. A fairy, I think. Oh, okay. They did, then they change to witches according to them, but one is half alien. <laughs> <laughs> they keep their mom's Tupperware container, because she got cremated and the dad was keeping her in a Tupperware container for some reason. They just keep it buried in the fucking motor court hotel. Yeah. <laughs> what an absolute fucking shit show. I very much enjoyed as well. We've talked about like the play itself and all that. I feel like we haven't talked a lot about the B plot to the movie being the whole thing of the creation of the play and like the creative process and all of that that like the narrator goes over and all that. Because that part is also really fun. Um, it's the bit like it's the half of other half of the movie that's all in black and white. Yeah, I feel like we don't talk about it as much because a it's kind of scattershot by comparison. It's sort of all over the place. It's mostly just there, I think, to inform what happens in the A-plot. Hmm. 
Yeah, like I can I can see that because it's also because basically the the general the job of the B plot in this movie is that while the main plot with the play and everything is going on, it's also going over the creation of the play and the people involved in it. Namely, I am so bad at this. Which person? <laughs> uh, Schubert Green, uh, played by Adrian Brody. Conrad Erb, I I think I butchered this character's last name, played by Edward Norton. And then much, 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 much later in the movie, and I'm probably going to butcher this name as well, Salzburg Keitel, played by William Defoe. Because, like, in the last bit of the movie, the three of them are together in, like, an acting class, talking about, to the class, about how to more or less morph into the characters that they're trying to be for this play. In the form of falling asleep on set. In the form of falling asleep on set, in a very comedic manner, if I'm honest. (laughs) Actually, I enjoyed that a lot, because the vibe that I got was, I know that William Dafoe is... Willem. Willem Dafoe is definitely up there, but I was like, man, he would make a great professor. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I am not referencing Spider-Man. I am being genuine. (laughs) He has like the, the, like the teacher look and everything, but also the pure enjoyment of teaching this to his, this kind of stuff to the class. Oh, definitely. You can see the passion in like his character and how he talks and all that. And I was like enjoying that quite a bit. With that, though, the one bit that even, like, replaying into my head I still do not get is when the entire class has the epiphany of you can't you can't wake up if you never fall asleep and how they just start chanting that and repeating that. And I'm like, I still don't understand what that was supposed to symbolize. I can't draw a direct per- connection. I feel like it's connected to the overall idea of make your own meaning, but mm. I don't know. Also, minor caveat from that, it's revealed backstage that the alien is played by Jeff Goldblum, and I'm like... Amazing. Okay, actually did not see that, and he only had one line, I'm pretty sure, too. <laughs> also, Hong Chow did not have... She had one scene in this. She was, uh, the director's ex-wife. Yes. Well, wife, who then became his ex-wife. Yeah. But it was a heavy scene. Oh, it was a very heavy scene. And it, and she, and it actually, again, with the whole thing of, like, if you're someone who's into the creative process, acting, and all that. She actually goes full meta about... I forget exactly how he described it, but she goes, by the way, having like someone say goodbye before they open the door and leave is dumb. It's much more effective if they say it after they've left. And then like not too long after that, after a few more words are exchanged between the two of them, she leaves, closes the door, and you can hear her walking away as she says goodbye. And it's just and it like... Hit. And I was like, fuck, that does hit right. harder. She was fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he would think about changing it. I don't think he did. No, I don't think so either. Because he, he suggested it, it was supposed to be Scarlett Johansson's Midge Cam- Mercedes Ford's Midge Campbell's Maybe We Are Doomed line. And apparently <laughs> there was supposed to be a point where she says it after shutting the door, but she never shuts the door at any point in that scene. Yeah, no. But yeah, no, I like this a lot. This was a good time. Oh, this is very good. If it wasn't such a packed summer, I'd go see it again. Yeah. <laughs> and if I didn't have to edit this, because, oh man, this is going to take forever. Yeah, we got movies and movies and movies and movies this summer. Yeah. You got anything else for Asteroid City? I really want to see this again, because I feel like, even though I don't consider myself a particularly artistic individual, this does appeal to the art nerd in my in my heart. Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd subject the group to this one. At some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
just to see what they make of it. <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, do whatever you want to do. If you want to follow us on TikTok or Spotify or whatever to be my guest, and if not, no big deal. If you want to share it around, that'd be really appreciated, but also no obligation. It just helps. Right, right. Next week, it's Indiana Jones and Ruby Gilman, and I'm still trying to weigh whether it's worth risking 20 bucks to go see Indiana Jones. I'm probably going to see Indiana Jones. I don't think I'm going to see Ruby Gilman. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you there. Mm. We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, rather. You've got yours oh, figured yeah. out already. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, hopefully, we'll have more good news next week. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think I could take another week like this. Yeah, no. This is depressing. <sighs> but, but, the important part is, nobody hears a scroll. On Under the Bridge. Yes. With Cody, yes. a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.